Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Progressive Bitcoiner. I'm your host, Trey Walsh. And today we have Marseille Romero from the Noster Report on. Now, I'm a huge fan and proponent of Noster, uh, just as much, if not more, than uh, my love and advocacy for Bitcoin as an open protocol, censorship resistant uh, place in social media that's also so much more than just that. So we talk about Noster, we talk about the Noster Report, journalism, we talk about global affairs, we talk about freedom. This was such a rich conversation and Marseille is such a wealth of knowledge and perspective and opinions and hope she continues to put out her uh, opinions and voice in the space and we'll gladly do this again with her or also host a Noster Nest, uh, so many other conversations we can have in general about this. So I really hope you enjoy the episode. And if you have any questions or any thoughts on the episode, uh, feel free to reach out to Marseille or I. You can find us on on Nostra and all of the links are going to be in the show notes, but also you can reach out to hello at progressivebitcoiner.com. And also in the show notes, you're going to find our promo links again through Bitcoin Magazine for Jason Meyer's book and for SAS Mining and their renewable Bitcoin mining that you can take advantage of. All right, enjoy the episode and we'll see you again next week. Hi, Marcy, and welcome to the Progressive Bitcoiner podcast. How are you? I'm great. How about you? I'm doing good. I'm I'm really excited to talk because I think this is what I was going to say right before we started recording. Um, one of my favorite things to talk about for a while now is probably Noster. Now, my preference is to say Noster. I understand probably more formal is Noster. What's your approach? You're you're a you're a Noster person, right? I, I'm a Noster person because yeah. it's like Nostradamus. Yep. There you and go. I'm like a Hispanic speaker, so in Spanish is Noster. So it, when I say it in English, it just comes out like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. I'm super excited. Um, you know, this podcast is going to slowly morph more and more to uh, Noster conversations, I think. And, you know, if a lot of people haven't realized it already, a lot of Bitcoiners have. Um, Noster, I, I think, is is really important and almost just as important as Bitcoin. And a lot of the things that that we believe in, who are on the platform, who are using it. But before we get into all that, uh, for those that don't know you uh, and don't know Nostra Report. Um, do you want to let people know a little bit about you, your background, uh, and how you got involved with uh, Nostra Report? Yes. So my name is Marce, and I write for the Nostra Report, write, record, edit videos for the Nostra Report. And my background is, well, I, I do marketing and PR for Bitcoin firms. So... I work with a Bitcoin company um, and do marketing and PR for them. Uh, that's basically what I do. But my background is actually um, sort of like everything happened by chance. I went to medical school in the middle of medical school, realized that almost, I'm almost about to finish medical school. I realized that I didn't want to do that. I oh, wow. had tried really hard. Um, and always had complications when it came to like family things that made me have to take a semester off. Uh, and I would always go back and finish the next semester. I really liked medicine and learning about the human body, but I felt like this wasn't sparking joy <laughs> and made me fully happy. So I just dropped out, had no idea what to do and started working and ended up doing marketing and eventually PR. 
And I realized I really liked it. Still wasn't fully sure about it, but it was, I was good at it and it was like easy enough for me to do it. And I just was learning on the go. And eventually I stumbled into Bitcoin and learn about it and learn about it because they were hiring me to work with Bitcoin companies doing marketing and PR. And that's how I ended up in Bitcoin, which led me to Noster. I found Noster one day listening to a podcast from a Hispanic podcaster called Lunaticoin. He's really big. If you haven't checked him out, he recently did a podcast with Breedlove. So you can listen to him if you're an English speaker. And if you speak Spanish, just look for him. And he's amazing. And he he was doing a podcast about Noster and I heard about it and I'm like, hmm, this is interesting. Um, it reminded me of Keat, uh, like the concept of peer-to-peer uh, decentralized communications. Uh, and so I went ahead and, and reached out to him because I wanted to do something for my own uh, clients. And then eventually um, ended up learning more about Noster to him and opened like then I opened my own account, lost my keys, had no idea what had happened to them. I uh, wasn't really interested. Like it was like, oh, that's cool, but too much work. I don't have time, so I left it there. And then in December, Jack posted that he wanted to do a conference in Nosara, which is right like I'm in Guanacaste in Costa Rica at the moment, and that's really nearby. So I was like, oh my god, I'm about to go. I used to live somewhere else. I'm like, I'm about to go back home, and that would just be the best thing on earth. So I went ahead and I told my friend like, "Hey, I want to help," and they tagged me on the on the thread, um, and ended up uh, organizing with a bunch of amazing people. Nostrica. Now we're doing Nostracia. So yeah, I I I I ended up very involved in Noster from that moment, and then right there. Uh, not only I had motivation because of the conference, but then I was like, "What is all of this? I love it," and I fell into the rabbit hole. And then during Nostrica, the Nostra report needed someone to help them report during the event. So I was there and they asked me to write the, the editorial pieces of every day of the event, which I did. And then they were super cool and asked me to stay. So I managed to trick them into wanting me to stay with them. <laughs> now I'm here. That's awesome. That's such a cool story. And I bet it was wild <clears throat> to, you, you know, you, you said it's right by your home. So what was it like having like this new thing, like Noster, Jack Dorsey, all these random people being like close by to your home for this conference? That must have been wild just to be like, really? Oh, that, that's cool. Like, yes, I will be there. Yes, that that I love. I, I, first of all, I, when I went into Noster, I'm like, why is everybody saying Pura Vida, which is like 100% Costa Rican? And I'm yep. like, why are these people doing this? This is so strange. Right. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I love it. It makes sense. Like. People in Noster embrace the Pura Vida a hundred percent, so it 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 makes total sense and it works. Like I think if if something uses Pura Vida in the correct way is Noster. So yeah, it it was first of all my country is a tiny country, right? People usually call it Puerto Rico, and I'm like, no, that's an island. We're a country in Central America, so no, sometimes no one even knows what we are, where we are, like anything. And having all these people be like, yes, we're all going there. It was like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing a lot of those threads and stuff because I, I just posted on Noster this morning, actually. Um, 
I think I was using Primal and it said the actual date of when I guess I created my InPub. So it was, it was December 24th, 2022. So it was like Christmas Eve. And I was like, what was I doing Christmas? I guess I just like randomly stumbled on it. And I, I've been mainly using Damas. And uh, I remember seeing all those threads when uh, Nostrika was being started and just all the threads of people getting involved and then seeing you pop up and then seeing the Nostra report pop up. Uh, so that was all really cool, like seeing all of that come together and having FOMO, seeing all of that happen. Um, so, I mean, you, you talked about Pira Vida. And one of the things too, that we focus on with this podcast in general is trying to be kind of a different voice in the Bitcoin space, especially in the, in the West and especially in the, the US, which oftentimes with media, it leans more of a right or libertarian leaning and kind of like singular uh, focusing culture sometimes. The nice thing about Noster, I think that people don't realize is Noster, now, now Bitcoin in terms of people who use Bitcoin and things like that across the globe is very diverse, right? In the US though, some of the perception is that it's right-leaning, right it's like conservative politicians are into it, things like this. Noster is uh, this very diverse, weird, fun community. So can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Was there something that, you know, you really enjoyed about the community or culture um, in, in general? Like what, what was it that really compelled you about being a part of this initially? This is um, basically, I think, what most of us feel. And it's like, I have control. I have ownership. I am and I have freedom and it's a safe space. And it's crazy to say something like it's a safe space because it's an open protocol. There's no censorship and everyone can say whatever they want. But I could, you know, like I've never, and I think this is the right podcast to talk about this, I guess, like as a woman, I've always been afraid to say many things. Like um, you've always like, you grow up thinking like you can't say those things because you're a lady. You can't do these things because you're a lady and you do everything the right way, the way your parents want you to, especially when you come from like a conservative Latin family. I grew up in a in a household with a single mom in a small town in Costa Rica, which meant that there was a lot of judging uh, towards my family because my mom was a single mom. It was just my sister, my mom, and me. So being obviously always in a small town under the like focus of a bunch of people that just were judging us because of circumstances that were completely out of our control. It makes you grow up thinking that you have to be next to perfect, right? That you, you can't do anything that would make things more complicated for you or your family because it's just, it, it's just it, right? And then, so I, I've always have opinions. I've always had opinions. I'm very opinionated. I've always wanted to move the world in a specific way, but was also scared. So I would start going and then I would stop myself. Um, I would be like, I want this. I want to do this and the other. And then I'd be like, but what? are other people going to think? Um, what is my family going to think? Uh, my partner who, at, at the moment, was, is he going to be okay with me doing this? So I was always wondering like, if what I was doing was approved by society. And then in Noster, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and people actually appreciate it. People actually think I'm funny, which is weird. People actually want to hear my opinion, which is very strange. And they're not 
judge me based on preconceived notions of what society should be, because here everybody has control of what they want to see. So they create their own environment. So the data that's out there is not being censored by a specific group of people with a specific agenda. Yeah, that's really true. Um, so coming at this too from, obviously of being involved with the Nostra report from that that journalism marketing angle, can you talk a little bit more about that too? And you know, I also want this is kind of our first focus on Nostra, and I'm going to have a lot more conversations with a lot of people in the Nostra ecosystem, from you know devs to other reporters, um, Edward Snowden, if you're listening, you know, you can, you can come on as well. I might've direct messaged him. Not that that does anything, but you never know. <laughs> um, so we have a lot of conversations about Noster. Um, so for you, from, from that angle, you talked about, you can control it. Um, and, and that's so true. And I think that was really well said, everything you just said from a journalistic angle. Um, what, what does that mean to you? What does that, what does that freedom and control mean? It's beautiful. And then I go back to where I am, right? Um, so, and I said this, I, I think if anyone has heard me speak before, which I don't think that's many people because I don't speak out there that much, but um, growing up in Costa Rica, we've, we grew up privileged in the sense that there wasn't any censorship per se. Uh, media was allowed to say whatever they want, not, not like, for example, our neighbor in country Nicaragua, which everything is like, if the president doesn't like you, you go to jail and that's it. Like it, it's like that. So from a journalistic per perspective, that has always been in the back of my mind. Um, if you, if, if, uh, well, obviously I am not, um, I have terrible upset. Everybody knows where I am, who I am, what I do. So that's clearly I'm not concerned at the moment about my safety on what I say. But recently in my country, uh, we've, we, our newest president is someone that won't, won't take it. If you talk about, about him, you're no longer invited to the press rounds. Um, the other day there was a whole scandal because they were trying to shut down a media, like the biggest media outlet in the country. They were trying to shut down because they're not friends with the government. So when I see that I have the opportunity to say whatever I want accurately from like, I go and I look into the sources of things and I can report on it, how I feel it's immense power and immense responsibility <laughs> like Spider-Man because I have the ability to tell people things raw from my point of view. So as, as a journalist, there's two things that I always want to take into consideration when we, when we post anything on NOS report and we focus mostly on Noster updates and, and Noster news. Uh, so it's not like we're uh, talking about war, but if I were to do a piece, for example, I don't know, on economics in Argentina, I want to be factual. So it makes me double check myself even more than any other type of writing because I want to make sure that the information I'm giving people, it's 100% correct. They can check me. People can challenge me. No one's going to tell them this is the absolute truth. They can go ahead and check what I'm saying and see if it's, if it's correct. And then on the other side, I don't want to, I don't want my opinions, my personal opinions to interfere in what other people think. I want other people to have the, their own opinions and form um, like intelligent ideas based on what I'm giving them. So it keeps you checked. It gives you power, but it gives you responsibility. And the responsibility part is way heavier because you need to make sure that your audience has the information 
in the most responsible manner. Hmm. Yeah. And I, I think too, you know, what people don't realize is, or many people realize, because many people don't even know about it, but if Bitcoin's early, Nostra is so early, right? So you all are focusing on Nostra updates right now, but there's a whole ecosystem that has yet to be untapped in terms of Nostra. If, if it does became, become more mainstream, or even if it doesn't, the amount of outlets, you know, Nostra right now is focused a lot on Bitcoin and Nostra um, and those like privacy implications, decentralized, the relays, things like that. But there's a whole field of, of journalism and censorship resistant um, speech that has yet to be realized on Nostra. That's that it's been tried through other avenues, right? Like Mastodon, Rumble, Blue Sky, other things. And, you know, there's a lot of resources and a lot of people talking about those things. And I do think I'm really excited for more communities to find Noster. Um, and again, a lot of us are doing a lot to try to get the word out about it, including Noster Report in a way that I think is really compelling. And, and shout out, I'm going to put this in the show notes as well, but shout out to my, Max DeMarco with his um, film recently, right, uh, on Noster and just the 25 minutes of explaining why Noster is important, why it exists. Um, so I think that's that's really powerful. But you know, what, what you're doing with Nostra Report, um, are there any kind of goals or visions you have of other things you want to be talking about via Nostra? Like, what are some of your favorite things to talk about and report on if, if you had to choose in this, in this space and using Nostra as that, that platform? Well, um, recently I had the opportunity and I think, yeah, that one was uploaded already. I interviewed Hodelnot. Yes, that, I saw that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first of all, can I, 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 what the, whatever, right? Like yeah. what? It was in Prague, right? Yeah, that, in Prague. Yeah. I got mm-hmm. to sit down with him and talk to him. And first of all, I was very nervous because never even imagined that I was going to be sitting down next to Hodel Knot and talk to him about it. So now I like, I watched the interview. I'm like, oh, I lost so many opportunities to ask him so many things I wanted to know. But right. Hey, always uh, going to be the case. Yeah. <laughs> But talking to him and talking to Ricky, which is one of the Bitcoin explorers, he talks about human rights. I think I would love to go more down that route um, because this is this is what we're building everything for, right? Like, I want to be able to 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 have all this stuff that's happening right now that's completely inhumane to be a story that people in the future can go back and read and be like, well, we were barbaric, <laughs> not something that is their reality. So to me, talking about people like Portal Knot, that, and he says this, he did not bend the knee um, and stood by what he believed, even though his whole life was being attacked. Um, or people like Ricky from Bitcoin Explorers that, he literally is, dedicates himself to bridging human rights foundations with Bitcoin. Um, I think I'm, I'm going to try to release this Sunday another interview with Johns, who um, does both fun and like a bunch of things actually. But uh, Johns it talks about making human centric design. So basically, all these tools. Yes, there's a lot of math and geek things behind them that are great. And the reason why they work is because we need people with the knowledge to be able to build all of this. But this is human based, right? This is designed for humans to be able to use it and to explore it. So my goal is to be able to report more on human, on how this 
this these are human tools, tools for humanity to be able to be who they want to be and express what they want to express. So that's my goal, basically. Yeah, that's really exciting. How how optimistic are you about these things? Um, so I've seen a lot of quotes, um, arguably, you know, for for not let's say censorship resistant technology, right? Just in general, decentralized like Bitcoin, Noster. For them to succeed, it takes people caring about it. So one concern is that people are apathetic. People are just like, ah, eh, like it's easier through this or it's easier on Twitter or it's easier through this general large bank where my accounts already exist or, oh, well, the government, you know, it's easier with, you know, these government supports, things like that. Um, how optimistic are you that this will win or is winning? How do you, how do you feel about that in general? Well, I'm, I'm a forever optimist, to be honest. So I'm always, always in everything, in absolutely everything. I'm the kind of person that um, will fall in love, break her heart, and still be ready to have butterflies in my stomach next time I find someone else. Like, that's just who I am, right? Like, forever optimistic about absolutely everything. But also, I am a realist, and some days my optimism isn't as high, um, especially when it comes to these kind of things. Like, we work really hard. But then I sit down and I see I've been in this space for two years. It's just been two years. That's nothing, nothing compared to many other people. Mm. And so does that include um, Bitcoin in general? A lot of these these technologies? Bitcoin in general. Yeah. yeah. So it's just two years. Mm. And what I when I see what I've built in two years, it's a lot. And then I see what other people have built in longer time. And it's a lot. And then I meet someone, I don't know, in Japan who has been doing this for less and also built a lot. I meet someone in Suriname, of all places, right? And uh, she's leading Suriname into a Bitcoin economy. So those are like tiny dots in a map, but they all come together and eventually the whole map becomes orange. So, or purple, <laughs> or both. So what I mean is, some days it might feel like we haven't done anything. Some days I feel like I didn't work at all. Other days I feel like, Jesus, today I just stopped. And it, it it comes to that. I don't see hyper-Bitcoinization happening tomorrow. I don't think that's going to be it. Um, there's a period of change. And I think we are starting to see the need of change. So we're not even in the period of change. We're starting to see the need of it. And uh, that's big. The mentality of a lot of people need to change. Sadly, a lot of things need to fail in order for for us to be successful. And I'm 100% sure, and this is something like, the mission for us is freedom, right? That's the end goal. That doesn't mean it has to be the way we're doing it. We could be wrong. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay if tomorrow someone comes and, and tells me, you were wrong, this wasn't it, this is it, and it works. By all means, go ahead. If it works, I'm down. If I come here and this is as far as I can get the mission, but you come and pick it up and make it a success, that's that's already a success for me. Or if it takes two more people in order for it to be successful, that's okay for me. I just know for a fact, and this is it. Like There's no way things can stay the way they are. There's no way economies can stay the way they are. Entire civilizations, countries, 
living under the level of oppression and restrictions that they are, things cannot stay like this and it will not. Mm. Yeah. It, it's interesting. Uh, we had a, um, a Twitter spaces with uh, Ben DeWall um, yesterday at the time of this recording. And one of the things he talked about is, and we talked about kind of like some anarchist principles and libertarian in the, the true sense of the word, meaning just, you know, you know, people kind of collectively forming together and doing things very democratically. And one of the things that he said is, you know, rather than trying to overthrow, like intentionally overthrow a system, what you do is I think what I've seen a lot in the Bitcoin ecosystem with builders or Noster is you build these parallel systems, right? while the other systems are crumbling and will fail, right? So that it's kind of that competition of like, Noster is working, Bitcoin is working, right? And it's kind of like, we'll see how it how it plays out, right? Because that's kind of the, the main goal is you build a system and then people ideally will see that system's better. That system promotes freedom. That system isn't destined to fail in the end or is a train falling off the tracks, right? We, we build these systems kind of parallel rather than intentionally just trying to fight one system without anything uh, being built, right? And one thing that I've seen too in Bitcoin and Noster is just the incredible passion people have in the projects, companies, initiatives, whatever people are putting blood, sweat, and tears into. I've never seen anything like it in the world, right? I mean, some people might've thought about this with the early open internet protocols and things like that. This is getting back to that a little bit when... A lot of it was co-opted. Um, you know, recently there's so many different opinions on it, whether it was like once Facebook started coming around, once all the, you know, Google became more centralized, Microsoft, Apple, all of these players. I feel like Noster and Bitcoin is kind of returning a bit to some of the principles of when the internet was first being started and the the intention behind the open internet. And that's really, really exciting. And people are motivated. And you're right. The amount of change and amount of things being built and two years time and six months and one month. It's, it's crazy. Like it's, it's genuinely wild. I also think, um, for, for example, Jack said it, I think in Max's documentary that it reminded him why he loved the internet on in the first place. Um, I've never met people so passionate and willing to, to talk not only about, what makes them passionate, but what makes others passionate. Like when you sit down with a Bitcoiner or an ostrich and you start talking to them about the things you love, everybody gets excited with you because they understand that passion. And I think that comes with the proof of work concept that only we, like I sometimes see people, I, I recently became obsessed with going to the gym <laughs> and at the gym, you meet a lot of people that do a lot of work and like build hard, right? And to me, that's proof of work. And I get along with the people at the gym, probably never talk to them about Bitcoin, but I get along with them because they know proof of work. So proof of work comes with passion and with, uh, with low time preference. So these people are Bitcoiners in my brain. They might not know about Bitcoin. I might not be like, ready there to step in and orange spill them or teach them about Nasser, but they understand the concept of proof of work in a way that that's how they live their life. And when you meet people that live their life under the proof of work concept, everything changes because they're willing to go more than the extra mile to make sure that things are right. 
Yeah, the proof of work concept mindset. That's that's interesting. Um, yeah, you're right. And, and I, I've said this probably on almost every episode of this podcast so far, and will continue. And you know, I'm I'm on the left. I'm you know very progressive. That's how I've typically voted in and all of that, and where my values lie. But one one of the things I will say is like for for society to get better, society to change, it really does start with every individual, like internally, right? Every individual saying, "Today I'm going to try." Today, I'm going to try to be a better neighbor, try to be a better partner, son, daughter, whatever. Um, and so that that proof of work concept, right, where society has beaten down so many people for so long, a lot of people are tired. A lot of people don't feel like trying. So it's a really, really hard concept. So Bitcoin, Noster, all of these things requiring flipping some narratives on their head, starting with kind of internally, like you need to put in the work yourself right? You need to understand that this life and these actions require work and effort and compassion and all of these things that aren't easy. It's like eating healthy over eating the box of Oreos sitting next to you. Like it, it, it's, it's all of these little principles and metaphors. And that I think, I think you're exactly right. If someone starts and lives their life that way, I would almost see them as a, a Bitcoiner as well, or <laughs> someone that can under, can understand that. Um, that's that's the starting place. So I would say, yeah, you're you're a Bitcoiner if you you understand it starts with the individual, and we can create a better society if every individual starts there to also be better for themselves, so they can be better for their family, for their community, things like that. So that's a that's a really interesting parallel. Yeah, um, it's it it changes a lot on how you see the world in general. So. Um, if you if you ask me what's a change in like what has changed the most in your life is like, well, I I live under proof of work and I try my best. I work every day to live under proof of work, uh, to make sure that it, it makes sense that everything that I do has a meaning that is good. So, if if we start living like that and we start raising our children like that, if we my mom, my mom is almost 70 years old and she, I gave her two books. I always come back from my trips with Bitcoin books to give to her. But for some reason, this too, she decided to read. Alvaro Di Maria um, gifted me his English version of the English version of the philosophy of Bitcoin. So if that one is a great book and I gave it to her to read it. I told her mom, this book is very special to me because the author is my good friend. and he just exploded in a matter of, see, in a matter of months, he just became this big thing and I'm super proud of him. So please read it. And she reads it. And every day after she's like, I see her reading and then eventually during the day, I see her close the book and put it on the side. I'm like, what did you think? And she's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I'm nothing too complicated. I understand all the concepts. I'm like, okay. Then she's like, what did you think? And she's like, yeah, it's fine. It's nothing weird, right? Eventually she closes the book and I realize that she's done. And I'm like, what did you think? And she's like, I realized that I need to unlearn a lot of things. And it's cool because that's the first thing I ever thought when I first learned about Bitcoin is like, I did not understand the legacy financial system. But what I did know was incorrect and I needed to unlearn it to be able to understand everything else. So like seeing someone that's almost in her 70s uh, say something like, well, I realized that I need to unlearn a lot of things to be able to be a part of this. Um, and she said, it's not for me. It's for you to work on it, to build for the younger generation. But 
I want to know, so I need to unlearn. And and that's really cool. That That's proof of work right there. And if you have the ability to do that, it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter nothing. If you have the ability to, to put the work, then you should go ahead and do it. Mm. Yeah. And another that's another core thing of like you're you're never too old you're never too whatever it doesn't matter where you live it doesn't matter your age to to unlearn these things and to realize uh, the these realities and i think that's one of the most frustrating things and one thing i'm going to be super intentional about on this podcast is trying to get in as many different types of voices and global voices because you know ideally like you know this podcast is a bitcoin podcast there's going to be a lot of bitcoiners listening to it a lot of people that are into Noster, like th- those type of things, like preaching to the choir, right? Or perhaps those Bitcoiners that support us, but aren't on the left or whatever. Like we're not having conversations with just like people on the left. We're having conversations about things that I think are important values to the left, like freedom, like diversity and opinions and thoughts, um, like the environment, all of these other things. But in the US, there's so many people that view Bitcoin, view Noster, view whatever as right wing as like uh, crypto bros as all of these things when that is the the furthest thing from the truth so any just us having this conversation here today if someone randomly stumbled on this podcast they might be a little confused as in like that's what bitcoin is that's what nostra is they're talking about costa rica and your mom getting into bitcoin like what, <laughs> what what is all of this right um and that's the point is just being as consistent as possible putting out these narratives and stories because it's driving me nuts um, that, that especially on, on the left in the United States, um, the perception of all of these things, when what we're about is exactly what you said, just promoting freedom and trying to help humanity be better and live better. Hi, everyone. Hope you're enjoying the episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bitbox. Now, Bitbox is a hardware wallet that's open source, incredibly secure and easy to use. And it's what I'm using to safely secure my Bitcoin in cold storage. Now, I know self-custodying Bitcoin can really be intimidating, but Bitbox is designed for ease of use without compromising on security. It's USB-C compatible and allows you to easily back up and restore your private keys with a micro SD card, which is really cool. Now you can purchase the Bitbox using the promo code TPB at the link found in the show notes for 5% off your purchase. And I really want to thank Bitbox for their support of the podcast. And I'm really excited about this new partnership. All right, I'll let you get back to the episode now. I think um, the concept of the left and the right no longer exists for me. Like in a way, in, in a way too much of one side or too much of the other side have become the exact same thing. So for example, I I'm all about people living their life however they want to live it, but that comes with a with a line, right? So if I want to live my life however I want to live it, that's great, but I can't go ahead and impose my my life to others. So if someone who loves guns, loves guns and wants to shoot guns all day, that's great for them, but don't shoot them towards my yard, right? Because then it becomes my problem. So it's the same concept with. I don't know. Um, I'm going to get canceled, whatever. <laughs> uh, but it's the same concept for um, okay, I want to wear high heels. If I want to wear high heels, that's on me, right? Like, if I want to wear high heels, it's my decision. If you look at my high heels and you're like, I love those heels, you look gorgeous in them and you admire them, 
and you're like, I want some, I could give them to you or you, we could go and find some. It's none of my business if you want to wear the heels with me or not. And if you want to wear them, that's great. But then if we find someone else, like we're already a clan and we believe the heels are cool and we want to make everyone wear them or we want everyone to be like admiring of our shoes because we like them and then some other people don't like them or some other people don't want to wear them, they should respect us and not tell us anything, but we also should respect them and not force them to be like, you need to say you like them. You need to be okay with it because it doesn't, it doesn't have to work that way. And I think that's the line where the right, like I, that's why I choose two topics like that, like the guns and the heels. Like there's, there's two, two things that I think everyone should have the right to enjoy however they want to enjoy, but never force others to enjoy it, admire it, or just, respect each other and basically that's what we should all be working towards respect and if i don't like what you're doing i don't need to have you in my life and that's fine i shouldn't be forced to have you in my life because you have a different opinion that it's being praised at the moment yeah yeah and, and that's what it starts with right again individual again just respect coexisting um and the only reason I've mentioned this too, like, even though my personal values and political are on the left, huge reason I wanted to, I, I've been involved with kind of conversations with progressives of the left in Bitcoin since I've gotten into Bitcoin and even doing this podcast is because the dominant narrative in American media and thought on what Bitcoin is, says that Bitcoin is a right wing thing. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> One of the reasons I'm saying it's not is not because I'm like, hate my right-wing friends or those, uh, you know, right-wing Bitcoiners or anything like that. Far from it. It's what I'm saying is like trying to fight the FUD that's coming from the left and trying to say, no, this is more of what Bitcoin is and talking about it in this way. If it was the opposite, if there was a lot of left views in Bitcoin or whatever, I would probably be saying, hey, we need to do more to say that Bitcoin isn't just a left thing, right? So that's a huge reason. It's it's outside of my, and again, there's going to be bias. There's going to be individual, like I, I carry my own biases and opinions and things like that. And I'll be very honest about that. I'm not pretending I'm completely neutral. I'm a human being in all of this, but that's one of my main motivators for this is right now. That's why the name of this podcast is the Progressive Bitcoiner Podcast. The progressive is a very US-based term as well, yeah. but it applies to kind of anything in the left. There's a lot of attacks towards Bitcoin or even censorship resistant protocols like Noster. That in a lot of people's minds, you know, not focusing as much at the moment on content moderation, which is a whole nother conversation. People will view that as like, oh my gosh, that's a right wing thing. Like free speech is a right wing concept right now, or like that that <laughs> word, right? And and I actually hate that freedom. Like even people are like, oh freedom, like especially in the US, people hear the word or people talking about freedom. It's almost like a right wing thing. I'm like, can we can we stop can we not? that? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, freedom should be promoted by everyone. And I, I do also get frustrated equally with, let's say, those on the right that are trying to impose their views or their will or their religion on other people and saying freedom. And I'm like, no, you don't mm -hmm. believe in freedom. Just like if the left is trying to do that as well. And I would love one day to not talk about any of this in these left, right, red, blue ways. And maybe we'll get there. Hopefully Noster will just be the thing. It's the protocol that most things are built on. Bitcoin will just be money, will just be the standard. That is that, that is, is the goal. And uh, I don't know if it'll happen in our lifetime, but I'll fight for it, you know, as long as I can. I think with decentralization, 
comes individuality. So um, I don't know when or why um, being on the left became trusting the government blindly. Um, why, I don't know. I thought it was more about challenging that government and keeping them in check. Um, Can I jump go- in really, really quick? Yeah. On that. So what I was going to say is there's a lot of, I think most people in the left, from the left that are the most vocal Bitcoiners, like Bitcoiners from the left, are in that camp of like, I thought the left was against just endless wars and against censorship resistance or against censorship and open journalism, free speech against, um, you know, government overreach and power. That is very true. I think it's hard to be a Bitcoiner and come from this democratic party as it is today viewpoint. So I, I will say that. I think just as there's many folks on the right who also worship the government in certain yeah. ways, I think they're going to have a hard time um, finding what they're looking for in, in Bitcoin. But sorry to interrupt. You can go ahead. It's, it's okay. Um, adding to what you just said too is it, it for me, for example, it, it's been a bit hard in the sense that I'm a, millenn- a millennial woman of color, right? So what does that mean? Um, usually, so let me let me organize this to to phrase it correctly. But I'm a millennial woman of color, which means that I face um, racism, I face sexism, and I've haven't faced that as much. <laughs> here in Bitcoin, in Noster. In Noster, not even at all. Not, like in Noster, my identity hasn't even come to be played or questioned. I don't think I've ever felt that I'm being patronized by my race or my gender or my nationality or anything like that. In Noster, I have never felt that. In Bitcoin, Yes, maybe some sexism. I have seen it. And most of the time it's very like stupid guys at ex- like conference parties, not even in the workplace. I've, I've never had the opportunity to be able to speak my mind and have my mind being taken into consideration. Uh, my talent being, being appreciated by people as much as I have in this space. So. Those are the kind of things that I wish more people would know. I wish people would hear this, that this is, this is, yes, there's a lot of um, right-wing people, conservative people saying stupid things uh, like women are made to procreate and men are out there to be working and stuff like that. Yes, there's people like that, but those people tend to be very loud the same way that those because those, those conservative left, so there's a conservative left and a conservative right, if we look at it this way. So those people that are like hardcore left. Or like dogmatic. Uh, yeah. Dogmatic left, yeah, are very loud. The same with the dogmatic right. They're very loud, but they're not all of us. They're just very loud people that tend to get more attention because they will grab it. And that 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 that's not it. Like, if if you're a progressive, if you're a leftist and you've never heard about Bitcoin and you're listening to this, this isn't it. And um I'm I'm not talking from from privilege saying that, oh, I've never faced sexism. Yes, I have. 
in life in general or racism. Yes, I have in life in general, but I've never been in a safer space in my life than where I am right now. And that is nice. I know that I came in here early, so it's easier to feel safe when, you, when you're one of the first. But I feel like we're ready to have more people like me or like you. We, we won't be setting you aside because you're different. It's, it's, this is all about being everyone here. We're a bunch of geeks. We're a bunch of geeks that were probably bullied in high school. We're a bunch mm-hmm. of geeks. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for those that have, and again, everyone has their individual perspectives because there have, you know, there's even, even some people in the, the Bitcoin community that might get frustrated with me because I say there is a community, right? And, and again, my background was in sociology. So the way I approach problems and things is thinking about people groups, thinking about how we collect ourselves and cultures. And there, there is a online US context. There is a, a little bit more of a dominant culture in certain Bitcoin camps, again, from some of those loudest people. So when I talk, you know, there's a lot of people that are just, or a lot of accounts that are just trolls online of any community, right? So that's excluding that. There are some in the Bitcoin community that are loud about certain things that could be in their own personal views and everyone has the right to that, but say, you can't be blank and be into Bitcoin or this is, and it's like, nope, you're not promoting freedom. So if you're someone who is really fighting for Bitcoin and really public about that as well, fight for freedoms for all people and, you know, welcome everyone into the space. And most, most people are doing that, but there's still some, and sometimes I see things where I'm like, you know, it's not helping here. Like, yes, I think Bitcoin will win in the end. Yes. I think Noster or these open protocols will win in the end, but we can make it a lot easier um, for people to, to join these things as well. But, you know, you're exactly right. I think more and more, in general, it's getting better. And I love, from what I hear, it sounds like you're talking about a safe space. Yes, in your personal experience, but also in the sense that you have control, right? You're not, when you're in, when you're interacting with Noster, when you're interacting with Bitcoin, you are in control. You're not getting permission from anyone to do that uh, or to, to say what you want to say or do that, especially with some of these progressive web apps that are coming out through the internet browser, like the app store can't tell you no, Mm -hmm. like Android, like no company can tell you no. It's getting easier and easier to run your own relays without you having to know anything through these little decentralized services. Um, Wild progress. Like I didn't didn't expect that to happen as soon as it is. And that's why I feel like it's going back to the early heydays of the internet where more things are happening through web browser again than apps because we don't have to rely on are the the app stores going to do what we want or going to mm-hmm. be open well a lot of times no unfortunately unfortunately but we don't care it doesn't matter that's what's great about others yeah i i i i think we evolved like we went a little bit crazy evolving and thinking like if we have everything in one point it will be easier and less um let's just make things fast and easy for people to grab. And again, I'm going to go back to the proof of work concept. That may work very easy, right? Let's make things as easy as simple for everybody so no one has to think. You, you want to think because if you think, if you choose, then you're doing it for you. And by doing that, no one can tell you how to do it. No one can, no one no one can impose things for you. So yeah, it's really nice to press a button and have your food delivered to your house. 
that's great. And no one is saying that that's bad. All we're saying is that you're given your location, <laughs> your food preferences, your information to some stranger out there in the internet. And that's a line where they're, again, it's not bad. I do it. I order, order Uber Eats all the time. I'm saying like, is it, are you consciously doing that? Are, is the information that you're giving out there, are you consciously making sure that people know what you're saying and what you're doing and the dangers of that? And that's where I think the biggest challenge is on adoption because yes, most people have no idea um, how terrible it is. Like now that like, so Meta released threats, um, everyone went on it. I'm like, why? Like, why are you giving these people more of you? We already given them enough. Why, why are we giving them more of us? And they're like, oh, they already have all my data. I don't care about it. And he's like, yeah, you don't care about it um, until you'd have to, until what you're saying or what you did may get you in trouble, even though it, it was it was not ill-intended. It, you, you never meant to... I don't know if you want to talk about vaccines and then you get you get um censored because you're talking about vaccines. If you're in a safe space where you can control that, it doesn't matter if you are anti or pro vaccines. You can communicate what you want. The other person reading will be smart enough to be like, oh, your information is BS or your information is actually something I want to hear or read. So that's 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 to me key the the part where we explain to people that it's not okay that they took all of our data to make your life easier because it's not making your life easier it's just giving you like it's just putting you in a little square in a little like i want to say jail because that's not the concept but it just limits you and you're allowing to be or you're allowing yourself to be limited because you don't know better but those out there who do know better, our job is to educate and to explain it and not be all like, oh, you idiot, you you love social media, you're so basic, uh, that's too mainstream. No, we want to be mainstream. We really do want to be mainstream because we want to be out there for everybody to think that owning your own data and controlling it and like doing social media or any other protocol or communications or money on your own should be mainstream. We should be mainstream. And the only way we're going to be mainstream is if we're actually nice to mainstream people and bring them over in a nice way. Right, right. Either there's there's two things. So um, Margot Piaz's episode that was released um, at the time of air for this one a couple of weeks ago, um, Margot said something really profound that I've been thinking a lot about. And it's kind of obvious, but saying, you know, the reason we're doing a lot of this, whether it's in Bitcoin, Noster, whatever activism you're you're involved in, Arab Spring, wh whatever movement you can think of, right? Civil rights, any of these really profound things is not because our only goal is to win and because we're going to win or the promise of winning. It's because it's the right thing to do. And so again, it takes individuals or communities saying, we're going to do the right thing, even if we don't win. Or even, and I know people say, "Oh, Bitcoin is winning. Bitcoin is gonna win," right? And and I agree with that that mentality. But a lot of it is, it's like, I want to live in the world where these things are the default, or these things are the mainstream, promoting human rights and freedom, 
starting with the individual, with communities where women in Afghanistan fleeing the Taliban are able to like hold their own property and money and not relying on that, not just saying, well, you know, it's complicated and there's this treaty and these you know, agreements with these countries and well, we can't just go in there and do this or that. Like, no, they, they get to decide that for themselves. At I want to live in that world. So I want to fight for that world. And that's why I'd like to think most, if not all of us are in this doing what we're doing. And if we don't win at the end of the day, that sucks, but we're doing it because it's the right thing to do. And we really firmly believe that. And then second, uh, my conversation with Jameson Lopp, um, which at the time of airing for this is, is, is last week. Um, he said something else as well, that his, one of his biggest concerns is that ease of access, right? With technology companies, um, with the Facebooks, with your bank account, with Coinbase, who, whoever it is, right? The easiest way of doing something will often win in this day and age right now. Um, and so how do we, how do we combat that? That's kind of the biggest struggle that we have is like, oh, well, I'm already on Instagram threads is right there. Oh, well, and I used to think this before in Bitcoin, I was like, well, they already have everything they could know. If they want to find me, they can. If the government wants to find me, they can. If, you know, whatever my social security number, they probably already got it. Whoever wants it, you know, all of these things and just kind of throwing your hands up, um, or not really understanding. So that's something else we're, we're combating as well as the, the ease of the ease of access. Although there's been a lot of, you know, progress made in that realm as well. That's, that's like where I was with, like, when I said, yes, I have terrible OPSEC. Definitely. I have terrible OPSEC. Um, that's a risk I'm, I'm willing to take because, um, I think being out there like being a person out there that people can say, oh, that's Marse. Um, and of course, there's a lot of parts of my life that are private and I don't share, but that being out there allows others to identify me and allows other people like me to be like, oh, look, um, that's a seemingly normal person that looks like a person. She doesn't have, she might have laser eyes on her Twitter picture, but she actually looks like a normal person. <laughs> You don't have to be a nim. You don't have to be hiding under a mask to be a Bitcoiner. Or you don't have to want to hide in order to use decentralized uh, forms of communication. Or maybe you have to. Maybe that's the only way you can do it. But it's okay if that's it. So basically, we all have a role to play. But we all have to keep one thing in mind and is that we're doing this for humans. So whatever we do, it needs to be directed for humans to use it and it needs to become mainstream. It's so yesterday, I think Mir, uh posted a, a, a tweet of, so there's this show on HBO. It's the Sex and the City show, the redo, what's it called? Mm -hmm. um, of Sex and the City? I don't know. So it's the new Sex and the City, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's like they're old now and it's them at, like in New York now. And in the show, there's a cameo of a lady wearing a Bitcoin bag. So it's a little purse, round purse, and it has a Bitcoin oh, really? in it. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, I hate that. And that show is crap. And I'm like. Uh, no, don't, don't hate that. I mean, the purse is ugly. I would never use it. 
That's my personal opinion on a, on a purse. I usually walk around with my phone in my hand. I don't ever have much more than a phone. Um, but that's that's what we need. That that that's literally what we need. If someone wants to walk around with a purse that has a Bitcoin on it and wants to be looked as a Bitcoiner, good for them if they want to do that. That's that's great. Um, it's their it's their own choosing, and if they want to be a target because of that. Maybe there won't only be a target. Maybe there actually be people like, "Oh, look, that's Bitcoin. Can you talk to me about it?" Like that's that that we need. And um, clearly, I don't know if the show is good or bad, but it that doesn't matter. It's a big show with a lot of reach, and that's like it's HBO, and that's what matters. Yeah, and, and one of my most frustrating things from the, you know, to use this word intentionally, like in the U.S., the place of privilege the U.S. sits in the world right? The US dollar, the privilege of government, largest military, all of these things. For the US and politicians in the US and a lot of the population to have opinions on freedom promoting technologies that benefit the world, but be like, ugh, we don't, we don't like that. Or, ugh, that's, you know, greedy people or, ugh, it's, you know, and not against the environment. I'm like, what a place of privilege for people who currently don't feel that they need it in their lives. Maybe one day they will. But currently don't feel like because they're like, well, I have my bank account or, you know, I use Venmo or PayPal or Cash App, you know, whatever this way, you know, I have dollars in my bank account. I have, you know, middle class, whatever. But then dictating for the world, because fortunately, unfortunately, the place we're at is the U.S. markets move a lot of global markets. And Alex Gladstein is a great resource on all of these different interconnections um, between debt crises and things like that across the world. But again, that's one of the things that frustrates me most is, yeah, let's say if someone watches, you know, that show on the really nice TV and the really nice house, whatever. And they're like, oh, Bitcoin, like, gosh, isn't that terrible for the world? And it's like, why having an, uh, an outside, an oversized opinion on that and dictating that for the world? That's one of my biggest frustrations right now. And, and I have said this on here, like I am in Massachusetts, which is where Senator Elizabeth Warren is, is my senator, who's very <laughs> against uh <laughs> crypto, Bitcoin, <laughs> things like that, right? And so again, place of privilege. He has a really nice house in Cambridge, right by Harvard University, all of these things, having these opinions um, and really fighting against something that I'm like, the naivete and stupidity to argue that with such vigor and anger and righteousness um, is one of the most privileged things I've seen in, in, my, in my lifetime. And one of the things I'm going to fight against wholeheartedly, it, it just enrages me like no other. You know what makes me angry? People thinking that they know best for others. Like, oh, um, and, and this is something that makes me so upset. It's like, you should be offended by that. And I'm like, why? It's insulting to you. Like, says who? It's because they're insulting you in X, Y, Z way. And I'm like, and if I don't care, is it insulting? Like, if I don't care, is it a problem? So people thinking that they know what's best when for others. When it's just others, something specifically to you, right? Yeah, or if, yeah. if it doesn't matter to me, why should it matter to you? So they're out there fighting all these, like, things that are so bad for the underprivileged. From their privileged point of view, so it's like, uh, do you really know how we feel about that? Do you really know what we want? Because it's really easy for you to, to think about it. 
but you, you've never experienced. Maybe we don't care, but maybe we do care about the fact that um, the Venezuelans are walking across Central America to cross a border where they're just going to get put into a little concentration camp and sent back to a country where there's probably little to no resources for them to be better. That while these people walk across America, because it's the whole continent, the, the, the continental America, while they cross continental, continental America, they go through, the, through, through Central America, they go through North America and all the way to the Mexican-U.S. Uh, border. Tons of things happen to them. They lose all their money. It's taken away. They don't have food. They can't buy it. They have, you know how many currencies these people have to experience in order to get all the way to the northern border? And when you get there, you're like, oh, criminals are crossing the border illegally. Have you ever even thought about the fact that why do these people have to be there on the first place? What happened in their countries that they're there? Um, it's not easy. Like, I've, I've immigrated to other countries, not because of a situation like that. I've done it out of like, I just wanted to live somewhere else. Um, I went to study, like, on their privileged situation. I got a job. Like, it's just things that made me move to a different country, and it was hard. It's really hard to pick up and go where you grow up. So imagine leaving everything behind, not knowing how you're going to pay for food while you cross the world, not knowing anyone, not, not having anything at all, just, like, maybe your children and a, and a backpack with some stuff. And that's what you take. And you're here wondering, oh, um, we shouldn't call them Latinos. We should call them Latinx. That's not, uh, that's not the biggest problem these people have. The, the biggest problem these people have is not being able to have food, not being able to have money that actually works, not, not being able to hold cash. In Argentina, US dollars looks like a stack of cash like this. No lie. I've seen it. I've held it in my hands. And and when I was there in November, it looked like a stack of cash like this. And now it looks like a stack of cash like this. People need solutions. And yes, you live in an economy where your money is basically the ruling money of the world. And maybe you never felt the need to use anything else, you never have had an, an economy that's dependent on the influx of other people's money, other other currencies. Um, so you don't see the need of needing Bitcoin. But right now, I think the U.S. has been hit pretty hard with inflation. Prices are really high on everything. And that's where you need to sit down and wonder, hmm, why? And what happened? So to me, that this is what bothers me about People thinking Bitcoin is a right thing or a left or, or not for the left. It bothers me because it's a thing for everybody. It's a problem for everyone. And instead of like going to one side or the other, we should realize that we're all getting equally uh, screwed. And right now, the U.S. has always been leading and, and it goes to the rest of us from there. Right now, it's the first time I actually see the global south leading towards something, to a different solution. And that's where, when you tell me, do you think we're going to win? I mean, I don't know, but I do think that things won't stay the same because right now, the countries that have been oppressed and have lived under the legacy system that only benefit the people on top, 
are now saying, no, that's it. And we have countries like El Salvador saying like, fuck the IMF. I'm doing my own thing. I'm doing my own bonds. I'm generating my own Bitcoin. I'm mining. I'm using this energy to do whatever I want. We have, so we have, we have people in Argentina that are like, I don't care if you put a restriction on the amount of US dollars that I can buy in, in, in the legacy system. I'm going to go and buy a stable coin. I'm going to go and use USDT or I'm going to go and buy Bitcoin. Um, or people in Venezuela are like, I don't know. And these are solutions that sound crazy, right? Like as I'm all about decentralized things, but it's like people in Venezuela are like, you know what? We can't, we can't rely on cash. There's not enough. There's not enough US dollars either to pay for things. So we can't go around with cash. Um, electricity here works some days and some days it doesn't. So we can't pay with credit cards. Um, most of the time the internet doesn't, doesn't work on like Wi-Fi or the phone lines don't work. So cards are not an option. Credit doesn't even exist. Let's use the lightning network. This is a solution for them. Let's use Bitcoin. This is a solution for them. So that's when to me, it loses sight of whether it's right or left because the right and the left that you know is very different from the right and the left that I know because I've seen it. To me here, both have been as equally oppressive. Right now, we have a right-wing government in Costa Rica that is never going to take Bitcoin as an option because the president used to work for the, for the I think it was the World Bank. So he used to, he used to be worked there. The reason he's no longer there is because he got um, suspended for sexual harassment. So he fits the whole like narrative of a right wing person. He's never going to use Bitcoin. That doesn't work for him. That, that makes him lose control. And that's not something someone like that is willing to lose. So here being a Bitcoiner is just rebellious and it doesn't go with the right. And that's the people that are in power. So it, 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 the, the reality that we see depending on where we are, it, it changes a lot and it, it shouldn't be a political movement because I don't think Bitcoin has anything to do with politics, but the fact that they're manipulating it to, to gain or lose followers. Yeah, man, you said so much. I should have just let you keep going for the next half hour. <laughs> this is such a rich conversation. Um, we'll have to do some nosterness on a lot of what you just talked about as well. I think that would be really cool. Um, yeah, some uh, again, we had you know, the Twitter spaces with Ben DeWall recently, and he's uh, you know classifies himself as a socialist, anarchist, and kind of libertarian at the core. And again, not libertarian in the sense of like right wing United States person. But I have started being more vocal on saying like Bitcoin, I think, is anarchy and libertarian in its principle. And again, libertarian doesn't mean left or right or, or politics. Mm -hmm. It means like it is a system outside of the government. Like it is, it is like anti-state money. Uh, it, it is not of the state, right? It is peer-to-peer -peer money outside of government. That, that is a libertarian concept. Doesn't mean it's right wing doesn't mean it's religious, doesn't mean it's a political party, but you're right. Like Bitcoin is a rebellion. It's either a major rebellion, like a country is, is being toppled and there's, there's revolt. There is a currency, um, 
change. There's a leadership change, a coup, or it could be rebellion in the sense of we're using Bitcoin or we're getting, I'm going to take some of my salary in Bitcoin for my company through the Coinbase <laughs> instead of US dollar, right? And again, that's a silly example, but it's a rebellion because the US government's like, mm, we really want you to use dollars. Like, mm-hmm. this is not okay, but we're going to pretend that it's like, oh, it's it's okay. Um, that's going to be fought every day. So you're you're exactly right. It's It's a rebellion. And yeah, I think the more conversations we can put out there, like this, or the more folks can hear, especially from the United States, folks like you say, hey, this problem that you're seeing in the US, or you're you're so focused and obsessed with this culture war thing, right? Or there, then there's some individuals' opinions that I have as well and some of that stuff. But like, hey, some of these people are trying to like eat and eat. live <laughs> and, and just like live their lives, right? And not be controlled on the whims of like a pen in DC right? Or whoever this president is. And no matter what, and what I've seen over the years, and that's just grown stronger and stronger over the years, is regardless of who is in power and what political party in the United States, the problems remain the same. And they're only getting worse because the system doesn't work. So we need something else. So for me, I've kind of pulled back from that that system and tried to figure out. And one of the greatest ways I think to help the world is open freedom promoting protocols like Noster and like Bitcoin, right? Even environmental stuff, right? In terms of like, just individually, like, you know, methane, uh, methane emissions being one of the worst causes of climate change and greenhouse gases, right? People are capturing that methane and converting it into Bitcoin. So you've got Uh market incentives, like greed (laughs) will promote, will encourage people to do that. It's not just saying, hey, ExxonMobil, like, you should do the right thing. And like, let's let's redo this or ESG narratives that are that are fake for markets or so that you can buy more of this company's shares, right? So you can feel good about it. And we in the US are really good at posturing. We're really good about, yeah, we did the right thing today. Mm-hmm. Oh, that felt good. Let's let's sleep well at night, right? We when brought some doing freedom to nothing. Afghanistan. <laughs> right, right. When it's doing nothing, this posturing on the environment is doing nothing. This posturing on immigration, nothing nothing. But hey, some of this methane methane uh, flaring and capturing that is doing some pretty cool stuff in, in Bitcoin. Some of this, hey, Bitcoin is a currency that can go across borders and no one can say yes or no and lower remittance payments. That's making it easier, right? Even if people aren't owning Bitcoin yet, that's going to topple some things, right? Like in El Salvador, right? The fact that the, the country and the government is all on board with Bitcoin, regardless of whether a citizen has it today or not, I think their life will improve because the infrastructure and system around it has decided we're going to utilize Bitcoin and not listen and wait for the US or the IMF mm-hmm. to give us our you know, porridge for the day or, or whatever metaphor you want to use. And like to me, it's not that I don't think abortion is important. It's not that I don't think LGBTQ plus rights are not important. It's not that I don't think um, it may, like whatever you call an immigrant, if it's an alien or immigrant, it's not important. Words matter. Words matter a lot. Your vocabulary changes like the the way things are felt by others and the way your 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 brain perceives things. So all these things matter. But to me, all these things will be a consequence of freedom, not. There shouldn't be freedom. You, I don't know if you if you understand 
if I'm making any sense with what I'm trying to say, but basically all these little things that are, that they're telling us are the problem are not, they're not the problem. The, 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 the root cause of our problems is not whether I can go get an abortion or not. It is a big problem. It is something that should be my choice and I should be at this. It, it, it shouldn't be anyone's decision, but you see how clear it is right there. And it's my choice. It's an individual decentralized decision that I should be taking. And it, the reason why others can have opinions on whether women get abortions or not is because there's tax money involved. It's because uh, there's a legacy system that has allowed the fiat system to be in control of everything we do from our food to our decision to, to the tax paying. Like countries don't need taxes. Governments don't need taxes. Like this taxes are the equal to charity. There has to be a better way to, to, for, for governments to be able to create money. Like if not, that means that governments are the worst companies on earth because all they do is ask for money. And that, that, that right there shows that it's, it's an inefficient company right there asking for money all the time, never producing any. Yeah. So Well, now we just lost like all of our progressive left listeners when you said governments don't need taxes. That's really funny. <laughs> but like, I, I agree with you there because again, I, I've, you know, been in this um, world for, for a while now. And again, just even that notion of like how governments are run. And I used to have the notion as well that like, oh my gosh, the US, we're the wealthiest country on earth. We can do whatever we want. We can make sure every citizen has healthcare and really good pay, really good healthcare. We can make sure that people don't need to work so much. Now we can, but not the way that our, that our system is currently set up, right? With, with money printing, with debt, with, no, no, no. We've been on this course for way too long and I'm, I'm not sure how we get out of it. Right. And be, before I lose the point too, I wanted to go back to what you said about, you know, Latino, Latinx. I think that was a good a good narrative, right? And, and words matter and things like that. But I, a lot of the posturing that I see, and again, I'm in, you know, like New England, it's kind of a wealthy part of the country because there are very like poor, impoverished parts of the United States that mm -hmm. I think Bitcoin or a lot of these things actually really can speak to in really profound ways. But, you know, I'm in this like greater Boston area, like a lot of like the Ivy League schools, like, uh, you know, a lot of people in, in positions of privilege obsessing over things like that right and some of these concepts are, are are good ideas and narratives but yeah it is hypocritical to say let's focus on latinx if you're not focusing at all as well like that's fine to talk about and focus on or whatever right a lot of times that's being spoken about not by not the communities themselves and that's a whole nother problem but you're saying okay you're focusing so much on that but we're not focusing on like people's actual needs the actual problem the actual crisis we're saying check okay We've got a new terminology for this group or this person that makes us feel good, makes us feel like we did something right to progress the world. But this person is still living in poverty or we as a country, as a group, whatever, are doing things that specifically keep these countries impoverished and, and do those things, right? And it's the whole you know, global financial system the way it is. So it's, again, obsessing over things that don't matter compared to that and not focusing at all on that problem, right? Mm -hmm. If you do both, that's fine by all means. But I, I think that's what you were getting to a little bit is we're obsessing over those things and not looking at all about the other problems, but we're still patting each other on the back saying, 
you know, look what good people we were today. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. That it, to me, it has become more about, oh, I did the nice thing today. Whether, oh, we did the right thing today. And the right thing was actually not giving children in jails when they cross the border illegally. That could be great. <laughs> like um, those, those, those kind of things have about not deciding whether a country gets a loan to be to increase an industry or how about we stop living out of loans and credit and we find other ways to to make uh countries be able to produce so basically at like to to summarize what i think is that yes all these problems are are, are problems but they're not the root cause. And it's like, if I go to the hospital with a headache and I always go with a headache and all they do is give me aspirin, that's not fixing the problem. They should go ahead and check what's wrong. Why am I always getting headaches to fix the problem? Maybe I have a tumor and maybe it needs to be removed. Maybe, it, I don't know. The food I'm eating is causing me to have headaches and I should have a food diary. It's the same thing with the world. The world is sick. And those like individual problems are not the reason why the world is sick. It, there's a bigger root cause and we should all be concentrating on that. Mm. And that uh, the original um, host uh, of this show, Mark Stefani, that was our first episode back. So he wrote a book. Um called sovereign health and focusing on like literally like healthcare in America and how we even treat that. Right. And too much. It's like, yeah, that person, it might've been their food. It might've been again, starting with that individual, right. Where we're only band-aid solutions of the problem when it's so bad. And that's the expectation, right. Whether that's government, whether it's our financial systems, whether it's literally healthcare in the U S it's like just band-aids and then passed on to the next person. Band-aids, then passed on to the next person. That hospital or that that doctor or whoever, they retire. And then it's passed on to the next person who oversees that hospital or this health insurance company. And same thing with presidents. It's passed on to the next, passed on to the next. Because no one's going to get elected if they say, man, we got to like, our budget has to be like zero this year <laughs> because we we're we're really bad. Like we're really, you know, in in debt. Um, that's, that's never going to happen until it has to, uh, until it has to. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that that's a really important point is is starting with all of that. Um gosh, yeah. You got me thinking a lot. This was really a good and rich conversation and you know, I expected to talk about Noster, I expected to talk about Noster report, but I think you have a lot of wealth and knowledge on the world. And I hope, you know, I want to look and hear you giving these opinions a lot more. I think it's really rich. I think you're really smart on a lot of things you're talking about. I would love to keep doing this with you and um, but I, I think you're going to keep being out there. And like you said, like you're, you're trying to be out there. You're trying to get your voice out and trying to get these thoughts across. And I think it's really good and really needed. So definitely keep doing that. This, Thank is, you. this is a lot to think about. Um, yeah. I mean, is there anything else that you wanted to kind of talk about, discuss? I mean, I definitely want to make sure that people, you know, know to go to the Nostra report and know where to, to follow along with you and your work, but anything else that you wanted to, to bring up or discuss? Well, if you want more spaces where you can talk like this, I think, first of all, 
be sure that anyone listening out there, you can also create them your own, create your own communities online or in person. Just go ahead and do it. You can do it. Uh, if you have questions on how to do that, I'm sure Trey has ideas and I do too. Um, reach out. And then, well, we also have Nostracia coming up. So to me, that's uh, a project I love because it's basically that, a place where people can just grab a mic and speak. So if you haven't registered, please register so you can go or be there online. Because to me, that's the, that is a place where you can speak your mind and come up with new ideas on how to keep doing this, whether you're a dev or a content creator or just someone who likes to post notes. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's amazing. And I would also say another big community advocate uh, is Derek Ross, who runs Nostra Plebs, one of the big leads for... Um, um, Noster nests in, in general as well. And that's one thing he's always pushing as well is like, start your own podcast on Noster nests, see where it goes, start your own community through, through this or that, like do it on your own. You don't have to come on this podcast to talk about it. You can do it on your own. Love to have you and, and talk about it. Right. But there's no gatekeepers with, with any of this. Um, I think that's, that's really profound and really beautiful. So la last thing here for anyone who is on the left that might not know much about Noster. Maybe they've heard about Bitcoin here and there. They've been curious about all of this, but they associate, you know, open protocols or censorship resistant. They associate it with, oh, that's just for like selling drugs and radical like neo-Nazis who want to post their radical opinions. You know, what do you tell those people about Noster and why you're advocating for, for this so much? First of all, I've never had drugs sold to me via Noster, so someone's failing right there. Right. <laughs> Someone <laughs> failed right there. Um, second, I tell them, yes, those things are there, but also as a community, we take the responsibility to keep it safe. And your community won't let you, you and your community shouldn't let anyone show you what you don't want to see. So that's the power that Noster gives back to you. Uh, you see someone selling drugs and you're not okay with that. You don't have to participate. And that's that's the beauty of it. And your community can be like, this isn't good. Let's remove this from the relay. Let's remove this relay or let's create a relay that doesn't allow these kind of things. So it's up to you. You choose. So it's super cool to be able to grab your car and go wherever you want. That's the exact same thing. You can go wherever you want. Mm. And relays are so early on too. There's so much discussion about all of this. You know, we're not even barely using the full potential of Nostra and relay. So you're exactly right. Like you do what you want. If you want a relay that's just focused on trans activism, you can do that on, on Nostra. If you want a relay that talks about like your gun collection, you can do that, right? It, it is about doing what you want and not being censored. Because right now, if you're advocating for censorship against one group, one day it's going to be against you, regardless mm -hmm. of whether you feel that right now or not. Like if you're all gung ho on who's in the presidency or who's leading your country right now, that's great. But next year it could be someone different that you, you don't like, and they could be trying to take away your access in the U S to healthcare, your access to get an abortion, your access to whatever, whatever you believe your access to, to worship whoever and in whatever church you want to, right? Things like that. Why trust any of this? Do what you want, have it built on an open protocol. That is that is the point of all of this. 
And if you want to have a relay to advocate for the government, you can also have that. Yes. <laughs> like, that's yep. it. It doesn't matter. Go for it. <laughs> I don't have any. Sure, you might get a following. Maybe you don't, but but whatever. You're, you're exactly right. You to you. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. Oh, this was so great. Thank you so much for for doing this, Marcy. And I, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, any Anywhere you want to direct people to individually, whether it's your individual profile, any of the stuff you're working on, and I'll, I'll include it in the show notes as well. You can go to my profile, go to Nostra Report, follow us there and on YouTube because we have really cool videos coming out weekly. Um, and then sign up for Nostrasia. You can follow us as Nostra.world on Nostra and, follow, and sign up for, we are constantly posting the sign up link. All of the, all of the um, organizers were also always constantly posting the sign up link. So please sign up for Nostrasia and follow Nostra Report and follow me if you want to. I have very ran- a very random profile. So you, if you want to read random notes, you can go ahead and read random notes. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Really enjoyed this conversation and uh, we'll do this again sometime. Thank you for having me. Always. All right. <laughs> Bye.